from the Blinks Labs headquarters in Berlin, Germany. This is the Blinkist podcast. If you're new to the podcast, the idea is that we're going deeper into the nonfiction book world. We're trying to get into the heads of the inspiring and genius people who actually write those books. We're taking big ideas and making them personal. I'm your host, Ben, and today in the podcast, we have something extra special because we have Caitlin Schiller back in the studio. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Ben. This is pretty awesome. I'm excited to not be alone in the studio today. And as the hardcore Blinkist podcast fans will remember, Caitlin and I did the first Blinkist podcasts together back in the winter, way back hmm. in the winter of 2015, when 2016. It was also cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was cold again. <laughs> and the very first episode we did back then was called Is That Even a Thing? Um, because it is to this day one of the most popular episodes we've ever done we figured we'd do it again. So here's a deal. Caitlin and I went through the over 1,500 books in the office. We zeroed in on some topics that we've all heard people kind of talk about, uh, but we're not sure if they're legit, right? I mean, in the original in the original, Is That Even a Thing episode, for example, we talked about things like putting butter in your coffee, fasting, and whether exercise makes you smarter. Uh, this time we'll talk about gratitude journals, power posing, email, sleep, and probably other things. So, um, yeah, before we get into it, I just want to say, if you like what you hear today, please do head over to iTunes, leave us a review. It's very sweet, and it also helps us get this podcast out to... Other people who might love it. Other people who also don't want me to be alone in the studio <laughs> and want Caitlin around. <laughs> All right, so let's start. Okay, so... I have two things for you today, Ben, that I prepared a little bit. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is whether or not your devices actually keep you awake at night. So people contend that putting your devices in your bedroom is a really bad thing. Devices meaning? Devices meaning your blender, <laughs> um, <laughs> your toaster. The toaster is especially bad for bedtime accompaniment. Roomba. No. The, the Roomba. Yes. That sweet white noise. No. Um, when we talk about devices here, we're talking about things like iPads, iPhones, your favorite Android device. So stuff basically with blue screen lighting. That is a huge problem. Um we all know that light promotes wakefulness. That's why, you know, you have those sunlight alarm clocks. That's why it's nice to wake up at a natural time when the sun is out. That's why Germans never put curtains on their windows. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> it is weird. Fun fact, Germans hate curtains. <laughs> um, but other things that emit light and are not good and healthy and natural for us, like the sun, are these devices that we just talked about, not the Roomba. And they're really bad for us because they emit blue light that stimulates the neurons and they have our bodies emit cortisol, which is a waking hormone, when what you really want when you're laying in bed and you're all snuggling, and you're ready to go to bed, <laughs> you want melatonin. You don't want cortisol. Um, so essentially, the contention is that these devices keep us up at night because of light. But there's another thing, too. And that you can find in the Ariana Huffington book. You talked to Ariana Huffington, I don't know, like two months ago, I guess? When was that? May? June? June. Ugh, feels like a long time ago. Yeah. But when you talked with Ariana, she has this really elaborate um, sleep ritual. One of them is to take her device out of the bedroom. Like an um, hour and a half before she sleeps or an something. An hour and a half before she sleeps. Yeah. Yes. Um, but another thing that she notes in her book is that this other thing that will keep you awake and concern your device is having uh, social media applications open. So they're more stimulating. They're going to get you to feel anxious or interested or stimulated in some way. And you mm -hmm. don't want that before you go to bed. So. So that is that even a thing is. 
Your devices keep you up at night and you should get them out of your bedroom. Is that even a thing? Is that even a thing? Okay. So well, is that is it a thing? Um, I think it's a thing. I think it's a thing because I did a little a little experiment. Um, after I heard the Ariana Huffington podcast, which I'm not just shamelessly plugging here, I think it was actually really great. Um, you can find that on our iTunes page as That's well. That's a shameless plug. <laughs> right, you had it for a second, and All then right, you sorry. shameless plug. I, um, I'm not really that great at self-promoting or promoting. <laughs> anyway, um, this is why they have me write. Uh, so after I heard the Ariana podcast, I decided that I was going to take my phone out of my bedroom. Previously, I'd actually had it in my bed with me because I'd been using one of those sleep trackers. But then I stopped and I just had it in bed because the plug was nearest the wall, whatever. Um, but I noticed that I was getting up at night and I was checking my phone just because, you know, it's there. And that was keeping me really wakeful. So I went and I found an alarm clock and I discovered, among Which other things. Which one did you get? Did you get like a brawn um, one of those little boxes, like the square analog? I got like a really traditional square analog. It's a Seiko alarm yeah, clock. Nice. But what I discovered when I was shopping for these things was that most alarm clocks, unless you want to like shell out for the Lamborghini of alarm clocks with like a wooden box and old timey dials, <laughs> they are ugly, man. Yeah. Can somebody fix that? Can you guys like get on designing an alarm, <laughs> an alarm clock that looks nice? Anyway, not super aesthetically pleasing, but fine. I got this alarm clock. It has a really annoying ring. But here's the thing. I don't really need it anymore. I found that You wake up without an alarm? No. I usually wake up five to seven minutes before my alarm now. That's because I don't have broken big. sleep. It is What big. time is that? What time do you get up? <laughs> uh, ben is quietly mocking me with his <laughs> eyes right now for uh, you listeners at home. I get up at about 5.50 or 5.55. I'm a morning workout person. Um, so I'm at the gym or doing yoga before work. Okay. Um, and you but, get up, so now you get up at 5.50. Yes. Okay. I used to get up at six to the sound of my, my iPhone alarm. Um, and I'm actually wondering if part of why I get up without the alarm is because I find the sound of the alarm clock I have so objectionable. <laughs> but, you know, whatever the case, it seems to be working. And I notice that I do have more restful sleep. So I, I would just say after talking to Ariane Huffington, after, after talking to Max Kirsten, that sleep expert. Right. Yes. After like re doing a bunch of research on all this stuff, I tried and then to take my devices out and then didn't because I found that it didn't make that big of a difference. Really? Like I, I have, I never, I guess I'm, I'm also lucky. Like I'm, I happen to fall asleep hmm. very easily no matter what. Do you stay asleep really easily? Yeah. Okay. I'm a pretty solid sleeper and I really like reading in the morning in mm -hmm. bed. And usually I will read the New York Times and the Guardian and um, whatever other, like the Spiegel or something here Yeah. Um, in bed, like right away. This is on your phone. You don't get your newspapers phone. dropped on your lap. Correct. By stork. But okay. what I, by stork, by, <laughs> like a dog. But but what I stopped doing consciously is there's no social media. There's no emails. Hmm. There's like no like texting. Okay, maybe a little bit, but not. I'm not like having a conversation with people. Yeah. Um. And I will just kind of like like if I want to finish an article, I can take that to bed. But honestly, like I, it's more about the morning. Hmm. Like I still use the iPhone alarm. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with like reaching for the first thing for it to be an article, mm -hmm. but the but the key to me is when I'm when it's four o'clock in the morning. If I get up for some reason, I don't grab the phone right away. Yeah, I guess I could see how it would be more of a huge thing for somebody like me who wakes up pretty frequently in the middle of the night just to be awake for sure for no reason. But when so before you used to like grab the phone right away. Yeah, because it was there and I could. Okay. But clearly now that's not a thing for me. So, is that a thing? I think it is a thing. It'll depend on, you know, person to person. Results may vary. But for me, it seems to have worked pretty well. And I would suggest getting an analog alarm clock. And I would also suggest someone to design an alarm clock that is not horrifyingly ugly. Okay, cool. So my turn. 
All right. All right. What do you got for me then? My, do this. My is that even a thing? Mm. Papers rustle dramatically. Mm. Is gratitude journals. Okay. Have you heard anything about gratitude journals? I've heard a little bit about gratitude journals, but I would like to hear what you know about gratitude journals. Well, lucky for you. <laughs> I prepared this whole thing. All right. Um, gratitude. Okay. So gratitude journals, where can I start? I guess I first heard it also on the Blinkist podcast, shameless plug. What's up, me? Um, <laughs> when Vishen Lakiani a couple weeks ago, when he was talking to Nicholas Janssen here, um, said he does a gratitude meditation as part of his morning routine. Hmm every day. And then I remembered in Miracle Morning, that um, Hal Elrod book that everybody loves. Yeah, I love that book too. He says that he, um, I'm reading from the Blinks, says he noticed he was happier, felt more gratitude for his life because his he, his writing, his like writing in a journal every day, allowed him to focus on the things he had already achieved as well as on the goals he wanted to reach in the future. And he split it, split every page into two columns. One was called Lessoned, Lessons Learned and the other one's called New Commitments. Hmm. He realized that by reviewing what you've learned um, and like gaining some clarity on what's coming up next and like the new commitments, you kind of acknowledge your progress. Yeah. So, okay. So those are just some sources of the gratitude journal. Um, and then if you start going deeper into what the gratitude journal comes from, um, the whole field of positive psychology, which is a new thing, agrees, seems to agree that this giving of gratitude or feeling of gratitude is something that will make people happier. Mm -hmm. So positive psychology um, focuses on how to improve the mental side of life, not like mental pathology, but like improvements. How can we be happier? Uh, not necessarily like what's wrong with us. Yeah. So for example, some of the things that we've seen in the last decade or so from positive psychology, you'll recognize all of these things, um, studying happiness through social ties, mm -hmm. for example, mindfulness comes out of that. I mean, some of the scientific studies of mindfulness. Yeah. Um, also, how exercise affects happiness. In other words, there's a lot of these aspects of positive psychology. So gratitude is one of these things. If you show more gratitude, you could have a better psychology. So I found, um, well, I, I don't know. I could go more like that. No, maybe I'll show you this app I got. There's an app called Get Gratitude. Okay. I'm going to literally show you my phone. Awesome. I'm ready for it. Here, you can like describe what you see. All right. So Tuesday, September 20th. Should I read it? Read it. I, I don't know. Sure. Scroll down to like the first ones, maybe. The first one. Okay. So this is Ben's gratitude journal. There's even a picture in it. Wow. You can you can take, wow, snapshots. All right. So Friday, September 9th, 3.30 p.m. Number one, beating Eric two days <laughs> in a row. We have a great level of competitiveness and respect. So the image that I'm seeing is of our... Uh, table tennis table that is outside of the office and it, I guess that Ben um, trounced Eric who is one of our editors who I never beat who you never beat right he's an he's an amazing Swedish former pop star editor <laughs> and table tennis player this guy's got it all okay right but I so like I beat him and I beat him bad and I was like happy that we we get intense mm -hmm. I was like happy that like it didn't affect us at all we were like just talking about the matches and we were like okay um it was fine you know i have some friends like when we have to like take an hour away from each other after a competitive wow moment so that was cool to mm -hmm. to do that you can read another one maybe not like the deeply personal ones but you can oh yeah um oh we, i love this we talked about this just the other day i think maybe yesterday morning monday morning doesn't matter 
Monday's, yeah, Monday, September 19th. It was probably this morning. Happy not to have that Sunday night angst that I had time to bake a bread and eat some of it this a.m. <laughs> yeah. So you just learned a lot about Ben, that he has Sunday night <laughs> angst and that he bakes bread. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. We were talking about how it's great to have a job where we don't, we don't dread coming to work on on Monday mornings, and this reflects that too. Yeah, yesterday was. I mean, we don't know when we're going to put out this podcast. It might come out in the winter. Yeah. But just so everyone knows, it's September right now, and it's Tuesday. And on Monday, yesterday in the morning, I was like a little down because it was Monday morning, and then I was kind of thinking, like, I think partly thanks to the gratitude journal, I was kind of thinking, like, wait a minute, I can make my whole day myself. I can, you know we're going to like eat together in the, in the afternoon. Like I have stuff to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I have no like major crisis going on at work. And like just taking that second when I got to work mm-hmm. made me be like, oh, you know, everything's fine. Yeah. And and it didn't, it didn't make a difference. Um, and I, what the, another thing that I think is cool about that is I didn't, I don't think I wrote anything on Sunday. I don't think I wrote anything on Saturday because um, the greater good science center at the university of California, Berkeley, which I can tell you a little bit more about in a second mm-hmm. has like a list of, tips for keeping a good gratitude journal. Yeah. And one thing they say is going for depth over breadth because um, elaborating in detail about a particular thing for which you're grateful carries more benefits than a superficial list of many things. Mm. So like, for example, it was more meaningful to me to like legitimately on Monday say that I could bake a bread and eat it as opposed to, and I literally did bake a bread and eat it. And that like to have that time, to have like time to bake a bread and eat it as opposed to like, I'm grateful because I have friends who care about me <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know what Getting, I mean? Yeah, specificity is always really yeah. good. So that's the gratitude journal. And I, so the, I guess I never like fully said, is that even a thing? But I was definitely skeptical. Is that even a thing? For me, I would say, um, yeah, it's a thing. That's great. Okay, so we've done two, is that even a things? Mm-hmm. Really cool. Really cool. What we have two more, right? We have two like little ones. We have two. Yeah, we, do we have, have one two big more. one and one little one, kind of. Do you, well, who's do you think is the big one? I thought yours would be the big one because it's like about being large. Oh, and in charge. That makes total sense. <laughs> well, friends, we do have another one. I guess we can call it big. I'm actually going to sit up taller in my chair right now as I talk about this, because the second is that even a thing that I brought for you today is power posing. Um, this is probably something you, you've seen around the internet. There are TED Talks on it. One really notable one is by a woman called Amy Cuddy. Um, she also has a book that's, I think, pretty freshly out. We don't have it in Blinks yet. I believe we will. Mm. The idea of power posing. Do you know what power posing is, Ben? Only from when you hinted at it last oh, okay. Week. All right. Well, I'm kind of doing it right now because I'm sitting down. So power posing. So can I describe what you're doing? Sure. You have hands on hips. Mm-hmm. You're sitting very straight. Yes. You're looking me in the eye. Your chin is up. You look like a portrait of George Washington <laughs> on his horse. Uh, yeah. If a horse were a, a lovely antique office chair, then this would definitely, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so tell me what it is for Okay. Real. So it's not just me looking like George Washington. Power posing is something more. Um, power posing is essentially adopting sort of a superwoman or a superman stance. So hands on hips, legs um, planted firmly in the ground. So you have a really good root and base on which to stand. Um, chest up and out, shoulders back, and chin doesn't have to be up. I just wanted to give Ben a little bit of sass. But (laughs) basically, you make yourself large and you appear super confident. Power posing is supposedly a really good tool because it can help you feel um, more confident before you go into interviews, before you speak with someone. 
I don't know, someone important before you go do anything that that requires some extra reserves of courage or strength or bravery. Mm, the science behind power posing is that essentially by by shifting our external state, we can shift our internal state. That seems to be true, um, but it also works in the opposite direction. Um, when we shift our internal state, we just begin acting differently and moving differently, which is extremely important um, in terms of body language. We have this great book called What Every Body Is Saying. It's by... Joe Navarro or something? Jo- yes, Joe yeah. Navarro. Thank you. Perfect. F- FBI guy. I really like this book. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. an ex-FBI agent. So he talks about how um, micro-expressions are really, really telling. And uh, also there's this great book called The Charisma Myth um, by Olivia Fox Caban. And she also talks about how if you don't have an authentic feeling of confidence and charisma, you're not really going to be able to project it. So what happens when you do a power pose is that your image of yourself, understanding how you are moving and being in the world, affects your internal image of yourself, which then reflects back and adds greater layers of authenticity to how you are behaving and moving and, and speaking. So basically, you know, mind-body connection, what you're doing, the physical world has um, a marked mental response and your body keeps in this like eternal lovely loop of um, strength and confidence. That's what a power pose does for you. So have you used it? I have used it. I've also used it in um, slightly slightly different contexts. There's, uh, I remember... I researched for an article that I wrote, I think, about a year and a half ago when Blinkist Magazine was still called Page 19. And I came across this other suggestion that's related to power posing, but it uses a little bit more imagination work. And the suggestion was to move and think of yourself as a big, strong animal. (laughs) And they suggested a chimpanzee. I didn't feel, or a gorilla. I didn't feel great about being a gorilla, already being a pretty, like, tall... um, parade float of a woman i didn't want to be a gorilla i wanted to be something something powerful in a different more elegant way so i my my animal is like a leopard or a big cat and i think about that when i need a little bit of um, extra confidence i think how would caitlin what would a leopard do (laughs) this is how george washington on his horse (laughs) classic leopard absolutely yeah this is how i make decisions in my life what would a leopard do um so I've used that before. I've used that before dates. I've used it before uh, just like things at home or like on the way there or like when you're waiting or how do you like? Well, that exactly? one you can absolutely use just at any moment. Nobody has to know that you're channeling a leopard when you're sitting across from them with an old fashioned. They don't have to know that. I get the it. power pose is a little bit more uh, problematic. I would suggest going to a bathroom stall for that one. Okay. Do the whole Superman pose there somewhere in private. You can also do it before you leave the house for whatever you're going to do. But holding it for a minute or so um is like the minimum. Okay. You can do it for longer. You for can, a minute. A minute. It's a long time. Yeah, man. You got to really channel that Superman and commit to it. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I think you can. Um, so I've used that power posing thing and I, I think it I think it is powerful. If nothing else, especially with the animal visualization, it gets me to think about something else. Okay. And it's a little bit absurdist and it appeals to me. And I, you know, I'm thinking about leopards and not whatever nerve wracking thing is going on. Um, but I would also say that this high power pose, which is also recommended in performing under pressure, um, that that just he describes it as opening your body and lifting up your arms because it lowers stress hormones and boosts your testosterone. And that gives you more courage. So that is um, 
a little bit less of a, a power pose. That's just basically about shoulders. And you can do that at any time. Hmm. Um, this is also, we're, you're learning a lot about Caitlin's life here, but this is something that I've been <laughs> needing to do lately because I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm a really tall lady. I have spine issues and I went to a physical therapist and was told, we have to reteach you how to stand. Oh, so basically I had to relearn how to keep my shoulders back and that does a lot to your posture. Shoulders mm-hmm. back, chest up. Essentially, I'm forced into a power pose, perpetual power pose for about seven weeks now. And I really think that's changed how I have been moving through the world and kind how I feel like about it. Kind of sounds like you're being forced into what my like really mean Russian piano teacher. Oh yeah, used to make me sit. Ooh, that sounds grueling. Shoulders back, chest up, but it makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It makes a difference how you feel. You feel more prepared and confident. Um, so, is that a thing? Anecdotally, I think it is. There, unfortunately, isn't scientific research to really prove this now. Lately, you might have noticed, if you're reading anything on the internet at all or listening to podcasts, um, that uh, there's been a huge kerfuffle about all these behavioral science experiments being irreplicable. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, there was this really famous uh, Fritz Strack one from, I think, 1983 or 88. I forget. Sorry, guys. Um, But his famous experiment was... uh, making the motion of a smile. Oh yeah, with and the having, pencil in the mouth. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you if you people were forced into the position of a smile, mm-hmm. not even knowing their mouth was making that smile, then it would cause them to react in a different way to different media stimuli. Um more positively, right. namely, but they can't replicate it. Similarly, Amy Cuddy's mm. research was checked and they couldn't replicate that either. But I mean, the thing is with both the uh, the sleep thing and power posing, people are so variable and how you're going to behave one day to the next is so different. It's, mm. it's so hard to control for this stuff. And I think a lot of it simply is placebo effect. And you know, I have no problem with the placebo effect. Not even slightly. Not even a little bit. No. Our minds are strange labyrinthine creatures. And if something seems to work around one little corner, they'll take it. Yeah. Anyway. So is it a thing? Maybe. <clears throat> Try it yourself. Tell us what you think. I think it's a thing. I like that. Try it and let us what you think. Yeah, I'd actually really love to hear that. We're going to have people like all over the world power posing. <laughs> Show us your power pose. Sh- oh, man. That would be cool. Yes. Hashtag at Blinkist power pose. <laughs> and uh, show us on Instagram. That would be amazing. All right. So I'm done now. Ben, what's your last one? Okay. I have a short one. Okay. I'm ready. Um, the is that even a thing is checking emails two times or fewer a day helps overall productivity is that even a thing okay resounding yes Hmm. in my experience tell me more so i have i have two sources i'll cite one is this is pretty easy the tyranny the tyranny of emails (laughs) by john freeman an excellent book um my mom actually recommended to me a while ago it's been out i think since like 2008 Hmm. um which is crazy if you think about how much worse for me at least emails gotten since 2008 absolutely well we were also probably not important enough to receive that many emails yeah, but still, in 2008. But like even, I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, a couple little things from the tyranny of emails. Like there's one, there's a there's a um, rejection of the idea that we get too many emails from mm-hmm. people who say, hold on, like before emails, there was like letter or telegraphs or something. And before telegraphs, there were postcards. Before postcards, there were letters. Like this is just the newest way of communication. Or people called you on the phone, which is so much worse than anything which else. Which is the worst thing in the entire world. <laughs> Don't ever call me. Yeah, me either. Thanks. No. Bye. Um, um, uh, but so, for example, he said, like, yeah, like the New York Times, like at one point, ran this ran this big op-ed about the postcard epidemic going on. <laughs> that is delightful. And telegraphs weren't much better. Like telegraphs peaked around 1945. Uh-huh. 240 million telegrams were sent 
1945. Uh-huh. But like real quick, in 2007, the number of emails sent globally hit 35 trillion. <whistles> like that's to me, I really feel like it's gone too far. And again, we know we don't know when this podcast can be published, but I did talk to Cal Newport a couple weeks ago and just hearing his whole deep work idea is just incredibly inspirational for me to hear like don't be tied down for an email actually do the work do good Mm. work right Mm -hmm. focus on the work um another one that i that stuck in my head about who said check your emails two times or fewer was the four-hour work week actually yeah yeah because he has this thing he has he has this thing about um he i think at one point he said he checks his emails like once a week (laughs) for like for like 45 minutes Wow, because he has like a he has like an auto auto responder. This is intense. This is extreme. Okay, it's like an auto responder. He goes through. He only answers the most important emails, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and the way he does it is he asks himself for any task, not just email. He asks himself, if this was the only thing I did today, would I be happy with this day? Wow, right? So like, oh my god, be, there's so many things I do that I <laughs> be extremely cutthroat with what you're actually doing. Uh-huh. And like, if you, you, I mean, I again, I think it's that's a little bit too intense. So I'd started with, check your emails twice a day. When you get to the office after lunch, that seems to be like a good mm-hmm. basis. Um, that, like what that does to me is when I get to the office, I check the emails. I like take them seriously. I like take a second with them. You know, I take a minute with them. I look mm-hmm. at them. I like prioritize them. I put move them into inboxes. I like make a note if something's really important. Of course, if something takes less than two minutes, according to, our great Lord and Savior David Allen. <laughs> we should just handle Praise it. Praise him. We should yeah. just <laughs> we should just handle it. But um, I, sometimes that doesn't work. Like I'd rather cluster a bunch of two minute you know tasks also and knock those all out in you know seven minutes or something. Mm-hmm. So right, check it once and then close the tab. Don't even see it. Don't get any alerts. Don't get any notifications. Only fetch. Never push. Like go grab your emails. Go to the email well. Grab the emails. Go through them because oftentimes there's a lot of emails like you can't do anything about Mm. or that will take like our task in themselves Mm. or are like a tiny little thing that like you probably don't even have to respond to. Um, I anybody in this office can probably tell you I respond to like one out of every 16 emails I get. So I'm already unconsciously doing this because I avoid news. (laughs) Right. And I'm not saying you have to be rude. I just think that like there's a lot of stuff that can be solved with like. Like there's a lot of confirmation stuff. There's a lot of emails of like responding and saying thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't really needed. And I guess I, that wasn't the point of this experiment. My experiment was um, to cluster everything by yeah. going to the email well, mm-hmm. fetching my emails twice a day, yeah. and not going back, and not worrying when I left the office if I should check one more time mm-hmm. to see if there's like something super important. It's like no, I know what was important and I did it already, and I'm mm-hmm. leaving. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, I just checked it and now I don't have time to do it and now I'm leaving the office and now this is going to be on my mind all night. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yep. So like- Just like freeing yourself of that stress. Yeah, and instead just like burning through tasks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I cluster stuff together, I take the time to do it, and then I do it all. And of course, if I'm working on, a, if I'm making an appointment with a podcast podcast guest and time is getting short, I'm going to- Double check the email to make sure that they confirm that they're available at that time. That's mm-hmm. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Um, but just like generally in the flow, checking emails like even once a day was amazing for me the past couple of weeks. Awesome. So is All it right. a thing? I would say yes. So Resounding we just had yes. a whole bunch of things that were things today. Yeah, we did good. We weren't that skeptical. 
I also just wanted to let everyone know that since I talked about power posing and sitting up straighter, both Ben and I have been sitting <laughs> no. up, I, I'd say like 25% straighter. It's kind of amazing, actually. So just like maybe remind yourself of that. It'll maybe. be really good for your back. <laughs> yeah, it's like good posture. <laughs> yeah. And I feel pretty powerful right now. Cool. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a good time to be done with this podcast. Great, now let's that go we feel on a great. high note. Yeah, now that we feel great, <laughs> let's go to this team meeting we have now. We do. All right. All right. This Blinkist podcast was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, and Odie Constantino, who tops his macaroni and cheese with a special salt that he mined from a dried-up riverbed near a cemetery wall in Tangiers. <laughs> special thanks, of course, to Kayla Chiller, our master person with words, editor-in-chief, everything thanks. person who was, was back fun. to the Blinkist cast. Please do feel free to email me and us. Actually, Caitlin gets the emails too at podcast at Blinkist.com. If there's someone you want to hear on here, if you have any feedback about me, the podcast, Caitlin's Power Posing, the Blinkist magazine, or if you want to share your own story about where you mine your own salt. Absolutely. Cool. Or what right. you put on your macaroni and cheese. Or if you just want to email us your power pose. Or if, right. Or actually, if you want to do that. <laughs> your um, power pose. And tell us if you think Ben sounds less sad now. Yeah, I feel less sad. I, you look really happy. Thanks, Caitlin. This is great. Oh, I missed you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back in a few weeks with the next interview. In the meantime, be good. This is Ben and Caitlin checking out. Checking out. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.